Hi, it's Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is called How to Stop Screwing Yourself Out of Success. It's an interview with legendary life coach Debbie Ford. If you're like most people, you've probably been unconsciously punishing yourself for the regret and failures in your life, essentially screwing yourself out of happiness and success without even knowing it. But in this audio interview, you'll hear how to stop that cycle once and for all from Debbie Ford. She's the author of Why Good People Do Bad Things. According to Debbie, the first thing we have to do is recognize our faults and forgive ourselves for being human. Hidden and suppressing our true feelings is like holding a beach ball underwater. It will come to the surface and usually in a surprising way. So in this audio interview, you'll hear the steps you can take to get back in touch with your authentic self, trust your instincts, and reclaim your self-esteem. You'll also hear real-life examples of how people sabotage their own happiness every day. Simple questions you must ask yourself before you can know what you're truly projecting to the world and suppressing from yourself. You'll learn what you need to know about toxic emotions and how to get rid of them. You'll learn why it's so important to make spirituality a daily practice. You'll learn a surprising exercise that will help you forgive yourself and move on. You'll learn the scary way the media actually promotes a society of shame and how not to succumb to it. According to Debbie, everyone has a dark side, but it's not a bad thing. It's when we don't have compassion for our mistakes and impulses that will actually be our downfall. And in this audio interview, you'll hear how to stop letting guilt and fear lead you to failure and instead allow yourself to find the success you deserve. Now let's get going. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best wellness-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health challenges, please send them to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. So you've written a book called Why Good People Do Bad Things. So, Debbie, why do good people do bad things? Well, because we have issues, and all of us know it, and we have these suppressed emotions, and we do bad things, I think, really, ultimately, to heal ourselves. And so our suppressed shame, our fear, our guilt, our remorse, our regret, our grief, all the things that we haven't digested, all the things that we've hide, denied, try to suppress beneath the surface of our conscious mind drive us to do things that we can't even imagine. That's why everybody struggles, like, why don't I have any control over what I eat? Why don't I have any control over doing what I say I want to do? And it's because there's a force called the shadow driving us, whether we're aware of it or not. It's driving us. It tells us how big we can get or how small we must stay. It tells us the risks that we can take, the kinds of relationship we can be in, how much money we can have, or it limits us, you know, in ways that are unfathomable to most people until they start studying it. They may say, why didn't I learn this in school? We all have a dark side. There isn't a human being that I've ever met. I'm sure there's somebody probably, you know, maybe the Dalai Lama or somebody who has transcended their dark side, but... It is there, and it's not a bad thing. That's the problem. You know, people make it wrong. I always say, what happened to your old not to jump on the bed? What do they do? They jump on the bed, right? Of course. And it's like telling your twin, your dark side, your human side, 
like, really, because, you know, we are this beautiful combination of divine and holy and very human and flawed. And so you tell this human side, this ego part of us, don't act out. And what does it do? It acts out. I describe it in Why Good People Do Bad Things as a beach ball effect. You know, we have these things about ourselves that we don't like, these parts of ourselves, whether they're an impulse or a dark thought or some fear. We try to hold it beneath the surface of our consciousness. Now, all of us have tried to hold a beach ball underwater. It takes a lot of attention, a lot of energy to hold those parts of us underwater, especially when we don't even know we're doing it. And then all of a sudden, when we least expect it, one of these aspects of ourselves pops up, acts out, and we're left thinking, how could I have done that? And I think the best example, the easiest example is road rage. You know, all of us, I think most of us have been, you know, driving one day, and all of a sudden somebody cuts in front of us, and all of a sudden we go from peaceful to angry and insane. Why is that? It's because that anger was already in there. It was already suppressed, and... Something happened, and it was able to take form. You know, we all have this duality. We all have these aspects of ourselves. So I think it's part of the human operating system. But I think what we become aware of, why good people do bad things, tries the guide, you know, is to show you that as soon as you were told, don't be selfish, don't be angry, don't be a bad girl, don't be a bad boy, don't do this, don't be mean, don't take the toy, don't be greedy, don't have too many cookies. All these don'ts have us split off from who we really are as a human being, which is the totality of every quality. And because we decide what's acceptable and what's not acceptable at a very young age, you know, we start to create these personas. That's why so many people really suffer from low self-esteem or lack of confidence because they've cut themselves off from their authentic self. Self-sabotage is when we get in our own way, you know, where all of a sudden we're dieting and we're feeling great and, you know, we've exercised for five days and eaten the right things and then one afternoon we come home from work and there's a bag of cookies and we eat them all. That would be self-sabotage, you know. We spend money we don't have. That would be self-sabotage. Being with your kids and, you know, really trying to be more loving and kind and help them grow and evolve and have self-esteem and all of a sudden, you know, you're angry about something and your anger gets laid off onto them. So those are smaller acts of self-sabotage. Of course, we see them in the media all the time. You know, we remember Mel Gibson, one of the films that is really acclaimed all over the world is one of the holy, at least Christian films, right? And all of a sudden he gets drunk and shouts anti-Semitic comments. Those are the kinds of things that are just self sabotaging. We see it with politicians all the time. And we're hearing a lot more lately in the news just about tragic things with the economic stress people are feeling where they go off the deep end. Is the shadow involved with that? I mean, it must be. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those people are, you know, why good people do bad things? It's not psychological therapy, although it helps people. But a lot of those people have deep, deep, deep psychological patterns. I'm really just talking to those of us who probably aren't going to go and blow somebody up, but the way that we're going to blow up our own lives is in a much more subtle way. You know, one of the great things we're seeing right now with all that's going 
of the economy is that people haven't taken care of themselves. They haven't put away for the future. That would be an act of self-sabotage. Living in homes you can't really afford, that is an act of self-sabotage. So it's because we disconnect from that authentic voice. And we have a guide inside. We have an inner resource that can tell us where to go, what to eat, what to do, so that we can have the greatest life for ourselves. And every time we ignore that voice, every time we don't trust our instincts, every time we go back into a bad relationship or a repetitive pattern, you know, boom, something happens. You know, we see it in abusive relationships a lot. People know it's bad, they feel it's bad, but they have some unresolved fear, some need of love or attention or something else. So we stay in relationships that aren't good for us, and we hang out with friends that bring us down. Because I'm a teacher who writes, I always try to lay out the process for people. And in the book, we really talk about the shame. I think the first thing anybody can do that's listening is to think about the things they're ashamed of. Now, of course, most of us would rather do anything than think about our shame, but our shame is the culprit here. You know, until we can make peace with our flaws, with our mistakes from our past, until we can forgive ourselves for being human, for, you know, having parents maybe that abused us, until we can take responsibility for what's ours and what's theirs, we will continue to self-sabotage. I also lay out the mask that we wear, the mask of the wounded ego, which there are many. So when we start to look and see, what am I trying to prove to the world? What's a face that is not really true? Do I smile all the time when really I'm upset? Am I a victim all the time, like blaming other people for where I am because I haven't taken responsibility for my life? Am I the bully? Do I bully the people around me? When we start to look at what our own persona is, and we create that persona, of course, out of shame of who we believe ourselves to be, which both of those things are false. Because the one thing I can guarantee anybody who's listening is, you are so much greater than you know. There is a bigger future for any of us. And that we as human beings are designed to be able to reinvent ourselves over and over again. So it's not just about embracing the parts of ourselves that we don't like, but it's also the shame around being gifted or being pretty or being bright or being special in some way and carrying a gift, which we all have. Many people find out after doing years of work with me, oh, my God, it wasn't all these other things. Those were just distractions. Really, I'm just embarrassed because I think I have a big contribution to make to the world. So our shame and our embarrassment need to be looked at on both sides. Half the time, people come in thinking they know what they're working on, and most of the time, we're confused because we are designed, the ego structure, you know, our human hardware is designed to protect itself. And how do we protect it is we disguise it. So we may think our issues are with our mother, and really, we find out later, maybe they're with our father, or we think our issues are around our weight, but once we lose the weight, we realize that our issue is around feeling worthy. So I have taken all of my teaching knowledge, which literally I've taken hundreds of thousands of people now in the last 15 years around the world through process to really show people it's not as hard as we think it is. It's not as easy as some would say. It's not just thinking a good thought because transformation doesn't happen in the mind. It happens in the heart. Now, what role does unprocessed shame play in causing people to sabotage their success? Everything. I mean, really everything. If there is no shame, 
we will feel good inside. And so if you don't feel good inside, if you don't feel gentle towards yourself, compassion. The book is ultimately about having compassion for your humanity, for having compassion for the mistakes you made, for having compassion for those impulses that are very human. So until we can replace our compassion with shame, we're literally screwed. We're going to self-sabotage because we feel guilty, and the guilty seek punishment. That's what we have to remember. We feel guilty about who we are and what we've done or what we haven't done, and it can go back to before you can even remember. For more interviews on health, mind, body, and spirit, go to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. Also, Debbie, why is forgiveness so important in this? Because we can't really get to compassion until we forgive. You know, until we open our heart and realize that, wow, you know, I did things and I'm sorry I did them and now I have to let them go. You know, I can't beat myself up. That's why understanding is power here. Understanding your humanity, understanding the design, really learning from other people's examples. Wow, what makes me tick? Because then we can come to this place of forgiveness, not just for other people, but we must forgive ourselves because until we forgive ourselves, we continue to get into pick the wrong job, pick the wrong relationship, you know, do something, buy a car that's going to blow itself up all the time. You know, there's a million ways to self-sabotage and not listen to our instincts. And the only way to get our instincts to a place where we can trust them is to take the step of forgiveness. And the hard part I see, Chris, is that people try to forgive in their heads, and forgiveness is a process of the heart. And that's why understanding and wisdom and exploration can help people get to that place that drop inside their heart where they can start to say, wow, I made that mistake, but so did other 40 million people too. Would I forgive them? Yes, I'd forgive them. Well, maybe I deserve that same level of forgiveness and compassion. Must feel forgiveness. That is what forgiveness is. I see it all the time. People say, well, I did this forgiveness work, and I did that forgiveness work, and I've forgiven my mother. But yet, you know, if they close their eyes and they say, what are you resentful towards, their past will come up. And I see it today as issues. You know, we all come in with particular issues. And those issues, whether we know it or not, are there for our own evolution and our own growth. So you could be working on the same mother issue for 20 years or the same father issue or brother or weight issue. And I think that we're learning that spiritual life is a daily practice and forgiveness is a daily practice. And to see ourselves, you know, really as the child that we were. You know, I always ask people who are beating themselves up. I say, if you had a daughter or a son and they're six years old, would you just go slap them, beat them up? You know, most of us today wouldn't do that, right? It may have been done to us, but we wouldn't do that. And so if we can picture really who we are is that two-year-old, that three-year-old, that four-year-old, that ten-year-old, you know, where did that part of us go? It's still there. And if we can see the innocent part of ourselves and say, do I want to beat her up today? Do I want to put him in harm's way today? We would say no. And that's what has us open our hearts. And it's a heart-opening process, really learning to love oneself. 
And when we love ourselves, we don't self-sabotage. We don't do bad things. Well, I mean, you know, we will all make mistakes, but we will really, really try to set ourselves up and be gentle with ourselves. The outer world is a reflection of our inner world, so we know how bad we are to ourselves by looking at what's going on in our outer world. And most of us, the healing is inside. Maybe we were abused, but now we've become the abuser. And so we have to forgive, forgive, and be gentle and be kind and learn to love ourselves, which I believe is the hardest thing a human has to do in this lifetime. How did you come to write this book? Well, I did a lot of bad things. My whole life was a bad thing. When I was young, I was a drug addict. I was a drug addict for 12 years. I went through four different treatment centers. I mean, I really suffered in my past, and today I can see that who I am as a writer and why good people do bad things is my sixth book. And all of my books have been on the shadow, the dark side, learning to live an incredible life, learning to ask the right questions. I could have never written any of these books if I hadn't gone through all of the pain and all of the hurt and done things to embarrass myself and shame myself and feel bad about myself because it's been that healing process that I can share with people today. And how old were you when you got involved with drugs? Uh, I was 13, and, you know, I had abortion. I did so many bad things back then. But really, I actually wrote the book because I got involved with somebody else who was doing bad things. And that was really a whole new level of teaching people how still, even if we stopped having our bad behavior, if we don't keep doing the inner work, We'll just attract ourselves in a business relationship or a personal relationship or something in our family we'll get involved in that where somebody else is doing something bad. Oh, my God. I have six books, Chris. I have a movie coming out, and I'll probably have, you know, at least, I don't know, ten more books because of my shadow, because of my dark side. And I hold it today really as something to be, you know, Carl Young, the great Swiss psychologist, the gold is in the dark. And that one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making their darkness conscious. And I know that that's true. And I know that no matter what anybody's been through, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that the darker the thing you've been through, the greater the light on the other side. So I feel grateful today for even the most terrific experiences of my life because they have led me to explore the human psyche in a non-psychological way, in a spiritual way, and taught me to have this daily practice of loving who I am. And why good people do bad things. You also talk about toxic emotions. What are toxic emotions, Debbie? Well, toxic emotions are the emotions that we've made wrong or the people around us have made wrong that we don't allow a healthy expression for. So hurt. We all get hurt. But most people can't just say, well... That just hurt me. So they suppress it, they deny it, they eat over it, they gamble over it, they drink over it, they do shop over it, and they don't express their hurt. It becomes this toxic emotion, or sadness is a toxic emotion, hate is a toxic emotion. These are normal emotions. People have these. If somebody dies, I hope that you feel some sadness. If you lose something you love, it's healthy to experience some sadness. If somebody violates your boundary or somebody else's boundary or your child's boundary, should you get angry? That is a healthy emotion. 
different, but if we don't find healthy ways to express them, then they become toxic, and then they can explode. I use the example, I like to write in metaphor because it really helps me, a volcano. They happen because there's no steam vents, right? The lava's beneath the surface. If there's a place for that steam to come out, we don't have to have a volcano. It's when there isn't enough places for that energy to come out that all of a sudden it explodes. I'm not a scientist. I'm sure I didn't do that well, but you get the point. Now, I know that our listeners are going to want to look you up. Debbie, can you share your website with us? Yes, DebbieFord.com, and it's D-E-B-B-I-E-F-O-R-D.com. And on it, we have a self-sabotage cruise. I do a weekly shadow blog or newsletter that I send out with different exercises on it, and I have a movie coming out on the shadows. What is the shadow going to delve into? I mean, obviously the shadow, but can you tell us a little preview on what you're doing there? I filmed my shadow process, which I'm known for, and it's a three-day process where people go through the emotions, and then I've called in the people who were some of my greatest teachers, Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson and... James von Prague, and then shared some shadow stories. There's some amazing stories and actually brought to life like the beach ball effect so people could understand their toxic emotions, brought to life how we get shamed with these great vignettes so people could see we have all the masks of the wounded ego. We have famous people as the seductress and too cool and the people pleaser and the bully and just try to make it for life so that everybody can relate. And I've been previewing, I just previewed it, and it's amazing because when people see it, they feel safe to open up and allow those stored emotions that cause them to repeat the same repetitive patterns over and over again to be released. And that's what we're looking for, healthy ways to release. And what's the deal with the politicians? They have these great successes and wonderful things they do for the world and then have these terrible falls. What's going on there? Well, most people who want to have that much power and that much importance, usually their shame would be that they're unimportant or that they're a nobody. So that's how, when I talked about earlier, how the shame creates our persona. So it's never surprising to me because... They haven't dealt with their inner world. They haven't dealt with their shame. And then all of a sudden, boom, what happens? It rears its ugly little head, but with their bad behavior. I believe we're all here to evolve, to become the greatest expression of our loving hearts. And so, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have to deal with your shadow in some way so that you can find love so you don't have to sabotage yourself, so you don't have to do things to destroy or bring pain to what you really love because that's the greatest self-sabotage. Your life's going great. You know, you're in a great relationship. You're a politician. You have great success. And then, boom, you do something. How self-destructive is that? Right now, we have the media is just obsessed with other people's shame. We used to say sex sells. Now shame sells. Mm. All the reality shows are filled with shame. We see these things every night on the news. Shame, shame, shame on you. But really, the shame is inside of us. And so when we're focusing on what all they're doing and we're pointing our finger at them, as I show in the movie of one finger pointing out at them, there's three fingers pointing back at you. And we should just deal with our own stuff instead of spending so much energy dealing with other people. Because it really ultimately gives you no relief except for a moment of instant gratification where you can say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them or I'm not that stupid. We do a shadow process and 
it's in the movie, The Forgiveness Process. And we have two circles, an inner circle and an outer circle, and the inner circle blindfolded, and people are saying, I forgive myself for, and it is like a giant confessional. Afterwards, people feel better than they've felt in 20 or 30 years. Yeah. I'm hoping we're doing the interactive version also of the shadow movie where people will be able to do the processes after they understand and watch part of the movie. So it's very exciting. Check out the website at debbieford.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E, Ford.com. And also you want to pick up a copy of Why Good People Do Bad Things. It's a great book. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. For more interviews like this, go to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. That's the end of our interview with Debbie Ford. If you're looking for more information on audio interviews related to health and wellness, go to hardtofindseminars.com.